You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. That's the, that's the problem about the, the hype stuff is that once you get high enough and you get big enough, especially where you hit like, let's say, certain untapped ratings and you care about how high you're going to be, it completely cuts you off from being able to do certain stuff. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you've been having a glorious week. I most certainly have been. Why? Because yesterday... I dropped a new collab beer, and I'm so excited about this beer. It is with uh, an excellent, amazing brewery from here in Montreal, and uh, we're going to talk a lot about them in a little bit because this episode is all about them. But yesterday, we dropped Brutal Juice, which is an imperial fruited sour. We added a whole bunch of Zab coffees. They are the coolest coffee roasters here in Montreal, and I'm super stoked that I brought them in onto this collab. It is basically a three-way collab. We put some of their Colombian coffee in it. It is absolutely delicious. We also put some maple syrup in it. We put some dark fruits into it, and all of that packaged up became brutal juice and i'm super stoked about it and uh, you should go pick it up if you can in montreal uh, it will not be around for long i can guarantee you that uh, this brew will be gone very soon before we jump into today's episode i'd just like to ask you to follow the vox and hops metal podcast on the podcast platform of your choice but more than that i'm also asking you to rate it and write a review because when you do that more people just like yourself will be able to discover the vox and hops metal podcast you should also sign up to the vox and hops metal podcast mailing list you can do that on my website vox Hops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal podcast, including all of the details for any episodes which I've dropped throughout that week, if I've been a guest on someone else's podcast, as well as the links to the upcoming live interview, Thirsty Thursday Virtual Hang, and the updated links to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is available on both Apple Music and Spotify, and is curated by my man jerry monk the metal architect himself do yourself a favor sign up to the vox and hops metal podcast mailing list this is a party that you do not want to miss now this is an awesome episode with derek robertson and zach huff of brewski one of montreal's most exciting breweries i am a huge fan of what they do and uh they just drop brutal juice so i'm very very stoked about that this is vox and hops episode number 255 i warn you what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I am with Derek Robertson and Zach Huff of Pub Brewski. I am very, very stoked to be with you guys. I am a huge fan of what you do. Um, how are you doing? Let's start with a nice, easy question tonight. Doing very, very well. Friday night, always always uh, the best time to have a beer with a bunch of friends, right? Absolutely. How about you, Zach? Yeah, yeah, doing well, doing well. I like to uh, start things off with a complex, tricky question. Uh, how did you guys cope with the glorious year, which is now behind us, of 2020? Kind of the easy one beer at a time. Making cans. <laughs> 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 it was kind of a break for us, well, at least for me, because we usually we have a restaurant running. Who We just went to 
full microbrewery mode, which just meant running cans and having like seven to seven p.m. I mean, seven a.m. to like nine p.m. and that's it. No more three a.m. running around with bars and pubs and stuff. So it was actually kind of relaxing. But <laughs> and the brewery side for me and Zach has been pretty crazy though. It's been getting a little bit busier and continuously busier. So it's been cool on that end. But yeah, good year for us. The timing of everything for you guys was actually very sweet. Getting your brew house in the tap room during that summer, right? Or the summer before, and then being able to just pump out your own stuff was really, really beneficial. Yeah, we're looking at a timeline where we started, uh, like the brew house was operational pretty much in, Octo- in uh, yeah, pretty much October. And then we were doing our, we had done our three canning runs more or less uh, when the pandemic hit. And we had plans to start doing like one every two weeks, uh, started like pretty much April. And we were kind of in the works to start doing that continuously. And then it just happened and I was able to call up and get a, get a day booked pretty much every day in April. And we'd just been, I mean, every week. And we've been just getting a canning day every week since April ever since. So it was, that's, the timing was just dead on perfect <laughs> for us, at least. And you had time to perfect, you know, the, the brew house and make sure that everything's good. Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music and craft beer. Uh, what is this glorious metal ass beer we have here? So this one is a collaboration we did for our anniversary with uh, with Third Moon. Uh, so being an Ontario brewery, we decided to go with like, when we went over there, I went there with uh, my partner, Guillaume, and they were having, I forget the name of the beer, but they had just like an Ontario Cascade beer that was just mind blowing to us. And then they told us the farm that they got it at. And I was able to get some uh, Cascade and some Chinook from there. So it's Ontario Cascade, Ontario Chinook, and a bit of uh, a bit of citra just to spice it in there. But mostly like 80% of the hops actually come from Ontario for this guy. Uh, That's very cool. Everything else is pretty much just as we usually do, almost fully Canadian malts, and it was just something we wanted to do. Like it's the biggest dry hop we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> because that's how third moon wanted to do it it was like we we always like to discuss how we do these procedures i like to do something that kind of blends both of us together often i go closer to procedures that are what the collaboration brewery is because we get our brewery flavor just automatically and it's nice to just do a little bit something uh how do they like how they do it so that we can get something a little bit similar or at least get those flavors blended together otherwise it just ends up tasting like a brewski beer this one i find tastes dead on to like a blend of both of us which is really cool see that's very cool i know nobody's ever told me that before so i think that's very an interesting approach to approaching collabs and uh, it's so cool that it's got cascade because you know most of the time you would think cascade is like an old school hops yeah that isn't exciting that wouldn't be in something as gorgeous as this you know monster haze yeah yeah that's what's kind of cool about these hops is they offer like kind of a like we we found the chinook had like a really strong pineapple presence which was really interesting because what most people would consider about cascade and chinook and they think of it as an old school kind of herbal forward uh hops but what's interesting is like nowadays it's past the point of just like you need constant bangers of citra and mosaic and all the all the, the the big big hops and now it's getting more about almost a terroir of hops and getting it from different regions whether it's from like getting it from michigan or getting it from here in quebec or getting it from ontario every place even though it could be the same hop it has such a different flavor to it and such a different 
different taste that it adds something unique to the beer. It's very exciting. Cheers. I want to taste this. It smells amazing. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, it's fantastic. It's super creamy. Um, no, no noticeable like hot burn going on whatsoever. Really balanced. Um, slightly sweet. Super, like almost like orangey on the nose even. Yeah. It's what's really interesting is we're getting a lot more hop aroma, like not even hop aroma, but just like uh, the yeast aroma that we're getting. Something that that we were surprised with with the collaboration was that uh, how hot Third Moon was fermenting their beers at. So we so this was instead of fermenting at our typical 19, 20, 21 degrees, we're like hitting them at 23, 20, like mostly 23 on this one. And you get a lot more yeast expression. So you're getting a lot more flavors from the yeast. And then we're hitting with a dry hop. So it's it's like, because the yeast that most people that do New England's with ends up when you're smelling it in mid-fermentation, just smells like apricots and peaches. And it's, it's really fantastic. And we never really saw it translate to the final product. But when we're hitting it at a higher temperature, we saw it go through, which is really nice. So you get like that nice yeast profile on top of it. And then you're getting all the, like those those cool, more like mosaic like cascade hops and then there's like all these all the like the pineapple from the chinook it's really really happy with the product it's one of the better ones we've made in a while very exciting yeah and like compared to what we were doing before which was kind of like a colder temperatures letting it be a little more neutral and letting the hops really do the talking this is creating more of like a nice medley of yeast character to hop presence and it clocks in at 8%. It does not feel like that whatsoever. I love that. Uh, let's talk about beer. Let's go deeper. Let's go backwards. I want to hear about your first beers. Do you remember the first beers you guys ever drank? Oof. Drank? Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> drank. It was like, let's say really uh, starting out drinking was a lot more uh, like Molson dry, I would say. But that's just because that was one person I was working with was that's what they had all the time. That was always around the like where we were working. So that was what we were drinking. That's probably my first memory of just that's all I drank all one summer long was Molson dry, Molson dry. <laughs> now I can't taste it. Like almost every Molson product I have, I don't really enjoy. But like at the time, You're it was starting with the dry. too. Yeah, it's a rough one. Cool. <laughs> How about you, Zach? Uh, yeah, mine was uh, Sleem and Honey Brown. That was, that was my dad's beer of choice. So uh, I t- took a sip of that to start, and it was also not an easy beer to start with. It was not just bubbly yellow water. It, was, it, it had something to it. it was... How about that craft beer that opened your eyes to there's something more out there? I'd say it was, to me, it was pretty much dogfish head. Like, because hmm. because in Quebec we have we get so many. I was getting into beer more and more because I got I'd say I got into making beer before I started actually uh, like getting. I got more into making beer before I started getting into drinking different styles of beer, which got me into getting like tasting different things from SAQ, seeing what was better. But then it's not just kind of going down that Belgium rabbit hole where Unibrew was fantastic, all that stuff, but it's like still all Belgium. And then you try Dogfish Head and it's just like, what is this? <laughs> it's it's mm. like just a crazy it's, idea. We just throw anything at the wall. You do something weird. You're like, like weird, different ingredients, weird, different flit. Like everything was just kind of wild. And that's what really opened up my eyes to like, this is not like not beer isn't just, kind of this belgium yeast heavy sweet product it could be all this crazy other stuff 
Very cool. That's that's all very close to metal and music. I like that. <laughs> How about you, Zach? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I I was a little later to the party, so I probably I I, I always knew of craft beer. I would do like I, I would go to breweries. Uh, I would do like um, you you get go to the breweries. You get their red. You get their white. Their their loose. You know, you'd get all all the kind of typical ones. I can't say any of them ever stood out to me. But uh, I, I would do La Fains du Monde as well, you know, the, the really standard uh, Quebec craft breweries. But then probably the one that really blew my mind and, like, probably changed it all for me was Tamayor from, from La Gabière. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's yeah, that was the first time I realized that you could achieve flavors like that just from hops, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh that it didn't require fruit, that it didn't have to be St. Ambroise with pineapple to kind of, uh, sorry, uh, uh, mousse to uh, grapefruit. You didn't have to like, you didn't have to add fruit in order to get there. You could actually get there through hops. And that was, that was from a can of, of Tamea. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I want to hear about your brewer story, Derek, you're mentioning that, uh, you started brewing before you cared more about craft beers which i that 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 was something when you said that really interested me so so what what is your brewer story your origin story uh why do you brew craft beer for a living well like the origin is kind of easy i was in university and i was trying to find a cheaper way to drink <laughs> kind of drinker on a budget i like uh why not have a hobby just start making beers like i went to i don't know like watch two youtube videos possibly my dad had a book that was like home, the the joy of homebrewing. They just had that at home. So I started reading that. But then I went to a homebrew store and I bought stuff. The guy kind of wrote a recipe on a piece of paper for me. And then I just that's what I he sold me all this stuff. I went, made a, the first batch of beers and then I fell in love with it from that time on. Like maybe from after like four weeks, I had like I had at least like five beers going all at once and then. You're like at first you're drinking them too flat and they're all like they're then you start adding up more and more sugar to get more carbonation and you're just getting bottle bombs everywhere <laughs> so you're you're, t- you're opening them up and they're just gushing out it was like really more for i got i got more into making it better after a little bit like i loved trying to make good products but even then the, like the beer scene like this was probably like probably 10 years ago or something the beer scene wasn't all that all that kicking in Montreal. It was a bit, but not like not styles that were all that fun to brew for just high consumption, but like Belgium, the Belgian quads really fun, but I'm not going to make those. Nobody's going to really have them. Like I remember even the first time I ever had a real IPA was I made it because I read it. Like I read a something on home, home brew talk. Like you couldn't really find a good version of an American IPA. When I, the first time I made it, I was like, I guess this is what it is. Then I went to do a trip to the United States and I was able to get one off a, off a hot shelf, of course, because that's why you got IPAs back then. And then you're like, okay, I did not bad. Like this kind of tastes like what IPA is, but like you could do those back then. Like if I was to just read about a new England and try to do that, there's no way I'm coming close to it, but doing like kind of a, high ibu like no dry hop just kind of like dry hops were even semi foreign in that time unless you're like reading about it on a blog somewhere like (laughs) but all interesting stuff i just got super into it i just i stayed in that for for pretty much my whole professional career that's that's super interesting what would be that first one that that first success where you were actually satisfied 
the first beer came out like as usual the first beer came out actually pretty good and then the next three were not that great and then like starting slowly realizing what you're doing and what like sanitation and what actually like the first times i didn't even know what yeast was i was like i go to my homebrew shop and i'm like so i've heard that it's good to throw the bottom of my tank into the next one does that help you guys like yeah that's where you (laughs) i have no idea what the hell i'm doing just kind of winging it because the information was kind of lacking back then so so it's like i it was when i went to all grain that i or like where i saw a big change in the difference where i stopped necessarily just trying to hit like alcohol or like trying to make beers for all my friends that would come over to have beers it was just like okay finally let's make something let's start doing these interesting products and yeah that's where i saw a big difference with those first kind of blonde blonde easy drinking uh beers very interesting how about you zach how did you get into the crazy world of brewing beer uh well yeah a little uh a uh, little backstory, I guess. Derek and I, um, we've known each other for quite a while now. Probably like, I don't know, what, 10 years, Derek? Eight, eight years? Maybe eight years, yeah. So, something yeah. like that. Eight years. Uh, we were in a band together. We were in a hardcore band together. Um, Derek's a mean guitarist. Is he? Uh, I was a singer. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, we were in a band called Vacant together. Um, and then I started to work for Derek at his... Uh, brew pub four years when ago. It opened almost five like, years ago. It's almost six years ago you came, and then you left, and then you came back. <laughs> almost six years ago. Yeah, so uh, started getting it. Obviously, getting it into it there. You know, there was uh, we were we were uh, firsthand experience of of all kinds of craft beer from across Quebec. That was before we were we really had that many brewski beers, and. Um, a uh, little fast forward a little while later i got so into it uh that i wanted to do a youtube show um i called porno uh we wanted to essentially go uh brewery to brewery in search of the best uh beer that we could find Let, let's spell that uh, out we for ended up spell that out for my gonna, listeners it was called again it was back when i only only had a mustache <laughs> so so it's por- porno but it's spelled uh, P P O U R N O, like a poor porno. It's exactly uh, little play on words. Yeah, a <laughs> lot of lot of slow motion pores and whatnot. I, I continue. Um, I apologize. Yeah. No, no worries. So, uh, yeah, essentially, uh, our first trip, we were lucky enough to sit down with. Uh, uh, well, we went to, to Treehouse, we went to uh, Trillium, and we went to the Alchemist. Um, we did a New England tour, and we were lucky enough to sit down with John Kimmick, and um, just uh, sitting with him, listening to him talk. Uh, we we sat for for a really long time. We talked for a really long time, and just seeing like the passion of it all, and just seeing the uh, the uh, uh, creativity, the mixture of art versus uh, chemistry uh, versus technicality. Uh, just the, the whole ins and out of it was so huge and so big that it was really, really inspiring. And there was just so much to it that like, I just couldn't get enough. So I got back from that trip and I immediately went to Derek and I was like, I don't even think I waited till the end of the trip. I think it it was like mid trip. I was like, Derek, I need to know everything. Please (laughs) take me under your wing. Unlock the Uh, secrets. Teach me. (laughs) (laughs) 
and I, I caught the bug, you know, like, like everyone, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get enough. I started reading everything I could. I started trying to learn everything I could. I brewed every uh, weekend that I could with uh, my older brother, Dave. I'm sorry. <laughs> shit. I didn't even, excuse me. Um, uh, we, this, sorry, this was all with Dave, of course, uh, who is my older brother. He's the uh, he's the uh, director and editor of uh, Epic Mealtime. Oh, very cool. Uh, yeah, so he was the one who created all of these fantastic videos. Um, and uh, yeah, essentially we got back and both of us, we were just super into it. And Derek was was uh, obviously uh, the best man to go for, to go to, to, to learn everything we could from him. And um yeah, still still learning today, and uh, haven't looked back since. I think episode two is uh, you doing your first brew. Is it that episode three? That's episode two. No, that's episode. So three. it's kind of pretty cool that we, you can go and actually watch Zach do his first beer. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> filmed out, and like not many people get to have like that kind of mark in time of just like figure out. My my whole life is documented. You could probably find my bar mitzvah videos too on YouTube if you look hard enough. <laughs> Uh, first time I ever went to Brewski was in the smaller location, which is still open to this day, which I think is something super cool. I remember walking down those little stairs and, and getting the vibe of it and just saying, oh, I like this. It's cozy. It was a really hot summer day, actually. I remember when I went and uh, I had a peanut buster on tap. This is many years ago. I can't remember how many years ago. And I had a great time and enjoyed it. Uh, I then went back and interviewed uh, Craig from the BAOS podcast there the first time that we met face to face. And that was in the new tap room. And you guys had just, just opened that. And if anybody hasn't been there yet, you can definitely check it in once we can go back, of course. It's just so beautiful. Just, just so open and, and spacious. But you kept both lo- locations open, which is super cool. Talk to me about that. Well, I mean, we would never, we're in the same building and everything. So that's, it was always kind of a weird question, but we, because we were, even when we were talking about opening up the second location, people kept asking us, oh, you're so you're going to close the pub. Like, no, we're not going to close the pub. It was never a question for us. It was such, like, we're still in love with it today. That's why, like, we're, like, right now we're taking all the time. We're taking the last year to fully renovate it so we can kind of get something, like, more functional uh, and faster to be able to keep like the service upstairs going and we didn't have like we had backdoor fridges and stuff but just like for us it was that was the heart and soul of what brewski was everything around it was what we just built to try to almost support that or just like the next visions but like there's the amount of things that we went through during like the crazy summer times to just try to support like as stupid as it sounds 50 people terrace with uh like a small terrace, but with six door fridges and twelve and uh, and twelve beer taps, it was crazy to support because we'd get like six hundred people on a on a Saturday, and we put we brought in a jockey for Grand Prix, which ended up like raining and not doing anything, but it just became like year one we put in a jockey and it never got taken out. <laughs> just, so we ran, we ran a part, we ran, so there was 12 lines with two lines being, and then an extra two lines that were just on party tap so we could have hot beer being poured out or else we, there was no way we were going to make it. And wow. so it was just, it was never really a question. And, and when we opened up downstairs, we knew that it was going to be a whole other vibe and a whole other thing. So because, and that was also the thing, the big, the big thing we high ceilings, windows, uh, like upstairs has no windows. The pubs, the pubs, completely different. Completely dark. It's it's cozy. It's small. 
it's like more steampunky it's more like just closed off and that's what we really liked about it so we went downstairs like screw it let's put plants everywhere and let's uh let's put let's let's look at let's have it so that you can see outside let's keep these high ceilings and and we'll have a kitchen that's completely different because we just can't install a full service kitchen inside inside of a, a building that's from that's 150 years old that was that whole thing that we like the ventilation stuff was already kind of in place we're stuck it's like we had to put stuff that didn't have fryers and that didn't have any of that demand stuff so it just became like a little bit more of a well, we're it's we're still exploring what we want to do with it. It always kind of changes and uh, kind of goes like we're open, always open to hearing what clients are kind of in the mood at that point. That's how we brew. That's how we make food. That's how we do all the experiences. Like we're not set in stone. We don't want to be that way. We want to make sure that people's experiences are nice. But the pub is like its own little identity where we know it's like just a little bit more fried food heavy and a little bit more like get your whiskeys, get everything. That's the whole idea, right? Because our name is Brewski, so it's beers and whiskey. We need a whiskey bar. Downstairs is not a whiskey bar. Upstairs is, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. It, doesn't, it, it feels right drinking whiskey. Yeah. I can see that for sure. I want to talk about hype. Um, hype is something that consumes my mind very much because of the world of metal that I come from. Uh, you know, when we're writing a new album, we want it to be successful. We want it to hit the mark, but we also want to make something for ourselves. Where do you guys stand on hype? I have a few questions about hype and I'm starting with this one. It's kind of a tough thing because as much as like we are, we also aren't. It's a mix of both. It depends on which products you're looking at. I'd say when you're looking at like we might be hype on our brew juices, but then on our IPAs, I wouldn't say so much. Uh, as a brewery itself, we kind of are, but I don't know. It's kind of it's it's weird when you're the person that like when you're the entity that is like the the hype thing because you don't really see it that way. Uh, yeah, it's kind of it's it's almost like it's only really uh, you're only really brewing hype if you're brewing something that you don't like to drink. I, I find that's 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 how I look at it. You know, if it's if you're brewing what you enjoy, then it's not, it's not really trying to feed into hype. You're just, you're just doing you. And if the consumer, uh, happens to be on the same page, then that's just, that's just the ideal world. Right. Mm. Well, and then what, what is more difficult, um, getting hype or keeping hype? <laughs> probably, Ooh. probably dropping bombs, probably getting it. Because like keeping it, keeping it, you could probably do that by just making sure that you don't have sufficient quantities. But like getting hype is the uh, is kind of the first part. Like for us, even get, I'm I'm not super interested in getting low and having low quantities of stock. I'm I'm actually much happier when I'm able to provide like a continuous amount of cans. Like right now, it's we're in a whole different game right now. We're in a microbrewery game where it's like it's kind of important to get these lineups of people come. It's what I don't necessarily like. This hype game is very much uh, make all these big, crazy products, force people to come here, have the products. They're very labor intensive. We're we're bringing out two to three beers a week, and we're, there's uh, well, right right now there's four of us in the brewery. We're always just running around trying to get it, get two or three products out. And if I was just making I like New England IPAs, we might be just two people in there, like barely need anything. So. But like that's what we need to do right now to get people excited and get people keeping coming and buying beers. 
now when we look at what we're what we're supposed to be as a brewery which is a brew pub where people come in have food and then they can leave with cans that's always been a side business it's never been the main business so for us it's like it hype is massively important right now but at a later time it won't be as much because it's like there there's going to be enough beer to supply people that are having pints and a bit of cans to go the hype won't be as important it'll be more important to make sure that we have a continuous flow of high quality products because that's always no matter what we do we just make sure that it's as high as as quality as as we can possibly do it doesn't matter even if it's a style beer that we don't necessarily that i don't get super excited about like when it's like if we want to there's nothing that excites more like a a brewery to be doing like a brown ale or like a white or something (laughs) but when we do it we're going to make our damn list to make sure that's the best that we can do and try to make it somewhat interesting make it somewhat brewski but yeah that's where we are sometimes and that's what i find semi boring about the hype like the hype thing is that it's highly limiting into what you could actually do in terms of products like if because we are hype we have to keep these smoothies double ipas triple ipas like we don't right now every single day it's like what do we brew double ipa it's just because those are the products that sell you do a single well they're gonna sit in your fridge for a little bit unless you can push it out like we would like to be able to do uh like sometimes we it's fun to do blonde ales every once in a while but guess what like you throw a blonde ale into uh into cans they ain't moving so that's what's that's the, that's the problem about the the hype stuff is that once you get high enough and you get big enough especially where you hit like let's say certain untapped ratings and you care about how high you're going to be it completely cuts you off from being able to do certain stuff hmm. and is that something that that you find difficult you know not being able to brew freely having to you know, it is a business so so you do have to sell beer is that something you find limiting that you know you have to brew something that you're fed up of doing how, how do you keep it fresh for yourself it's i would say we're never really I'm, I'm never fed up of brewing a double ipa i'm never fed up of brewing it's just it's it's sometimes fun like you ask any any person that's that's brewing double ipas all day what do they want to drink right now it's most likely going to be like something nice and crispy. <laughs> and <laughs> and like, unfortunately, it could be something I'd love to do. Like, we, we, like Zach asks me every day to brew a, a Pilsner. Like, well, we can't, sit, like, we can't spare tank space for, for the eight weeks it takes to really do one. But we could do like, things like ales, and we can't really do those because those are not, they're not interesting. And they're, they're just, there's no reason for us to do them at a time where we're fully closed. Uh, so in a way, but what we have at the brewery is that we have that big system and then we have the small one. The small one allows us to be a little bit more experimental and do a little crazier things. Like we were like, we just keg, I kegged today, a, uh, like a crispy blonde, which is with Kvike uh, nice. just yeah. like kind of do getting our reps in for the summertime and seeing if we get what we can do as interesting blonde products. But so in that way, it's not very limiting. We'll, we kind of are using that small system as much as possible to do interesting stuff. But I mean, if I'm if I'm going to stores and I'm buying stuff, I'm only buying pretty much double IPAs and single IPAs. And so it's not boring for me to do those styles. I love doing those styles. Smoothies, I find very interesting to make. Like it's uh, at a certain point you make one a week. What I'm annoyed of is trying to come up with inspiration for what blend of fruits I'm putting into. That's about it. But the uh, I saw a meme. I saw a meme that it was uh, the the local like grocery store 
flyer for what fruits were on special. And it just so happens that it was the fruit that was in one of the brew juices. <laughs> and yeah. they were saying, this is where you draw your inspiration from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was the grocery store Oregon fruit? <laughs> <laughs> how, how exactly? Uh, where do you get the inspiration from for everything? How do you keep coming up with these fresh interesting out-of-the-box ideas because a lot of your beers are, are completely out there mad scientists uh, just about i mean in, like just have instagram of x amount of breweries that every once in a while something pops up you're like oh this is interesting and then you can go on your own tangent if you want i don't know we spend a lot of time kind of discussing crazy ideas it's all like what we do in the breweries because the bigger difference i'd say is that in a brewery, I, like, I don't really brew much. It's like Zach does a lot of the brewing. Uh, we have Ryan that just left on paternity who's doing a lot, who was doing a lot of the brewing. Uh, it's really them that I'm doing that. I'm more supervising and the rest of my time is really put onto recipe development and finding ingredients. I spend most time just trying to find ingredients because that's almost like sourcing is almost the, the bigger demand on that stuff because it's unbelievable how hard it is to find good ingredients just in general. And that's what's going to make the difference in these beer styles is just finding that, that weird ingredient and that's something that's reasonably priced and that's not a thousand like one kilogram containers of a fruit so you need to do you need to do 400 <laughs> containers it's always that like, not the time that, which we've gotten yeah. before oh shit <laughs> so brutal long nights yeah. um how about you you mentioned inspiration right there it's something that happens all over you know in every sphere of everything that's creative uh being inspired by other people it happens in metal it happens in movies it happens in beer uh you guys were just about one of the first ones here in quebec to be making a fruited sour um did it bother you how did you feel when you started seeing other people making them go for it it didn't bother me personally um i find the more people that do a style the more people that um perfect the style and increase uh awareness about a certain style it's 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 beneficial to everyone, especially the the craft beer drinker. You know, when you first arrive on a scene and you there's 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 just not much there. You you, you take what you can get, you know, and that's what you're told is the style, and that's what you think is good. But as uh, um, as you expand your 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 horizons, you kind of get further and further, uh, and and you learn more and more. And I think that. Um, as people start to do more uh, hazy IPAs, uh, uh, smoothie sours, it uh, keeps everyone on their toes. It keeps all, all brewers on their toes and keeps everyone uh, making sure that they, that they do the best product that they can, you know? Um, and so I think it was only beneficial for us to, to, to keep, uh, to, to have other people in the game because it, it, it allowed people to compare our product with other people's as well, which works in, in is like a, a give and take as well. You know, everyone, everyone gets to, to learn a, l a little more from uh, about craft beer in general that way. Well, especially us too. Right. Cause like one thing that we, that at some point when we were getting our, like the, the brew juices down, we were maybe on, uh, maybe on the eighth version, even like the fifth version, we had maybe had, 
one or two examples of other breweries that were like Miss Sorum was doing some. That was about the only thing we were able to try. So at some point, it's like, what do this? What does this style of beer really taste like? Like our example was ours, like mostly ours, because that's what we were able to get. We weren't able to get, let's say, four. I've never had a four fifty North. I've never had a Vale. I never had anything really for a smoothie from the United States. And you're so you're kind of just building this flavor, and not only that, you're almost building the flavor for Quebec itself because we're in the rare peoples that we were really pushing that style. Yeah, and, and it was also one of those things that as we. As other people started to do them too, they they reached further audiences and they were like, oh, what is this? And they got introduced to it. And then they were like, oh, wait, where can I get more of this? And it was like, oh, Brewski's already released 15 of these. Okay, I'm going to go ahead to them. You know, So I, I think it was only beneficial. Absolutely. I remember I have a neighbor here that loves craft beer and I shared one with them. And they were like, what is this? How can I get more? It's one of those things. It's such a unique experience of brew juice or a fruited sour. It's 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 so refreshing. Uh, for myself, it is the ultimate hangover cure. Honestly, <laughs> it's your breakfast and, and your uh, pick me up all in one. Honestly, honestly, but a healthy sense of competition is something that's good anywhere. It, it that's super important. Definitely, definitely helped the Quebec metal scene in the early '90s. You know, Cryptopsy, Cataclysm, uh, Gorguts. Uh, everyone was basically jamming in the same place, and they were all motivating themselves to be better. So, so is it, that's something that happens in the craft beer? Yeah, scene as well. absolutely. Yeah. It's something that I find when we. When we look at like kind of the region that we're at right now, I find that like we're Montreal is in this like Montreal and a little bit of uh, the Laurentians and Gatineau, everything. We're like in a tight little knit thing where especially COVID seemed to have shut like us from a, a little bit of the stuff around the world. And so we're like kind of looking in and going, OK, and like every time somebody we get a product from somebody, it's like, OK, time to up our game. It's always that that health that competition if you don't have it if you don't have something there that kind of pushes you forward going i'm going to be better than this and we're going to be better than them and then you like it's always friendly right it's always just like see each other we have a good time it's always nice to talk but then it's like ah we can do better we can do better we can do better that's what it has to be right you have to think you have to always be like because we know how it is even when we brew stuff we hit it out of the park every once in a while every other every other product is like okay this is great but then you get that banger one it's always about finding that consistency and every brewer is kind of like that right now you get like that like every once in a while you're like shocked on how great this one product is and that becomes the new like the new how do we get this how do we hit this level again Yeah, absolutely. And if no one ever did a dud, then when we do knock it out of the park, we wouldn't really be recognized for knocking it out of the park. It would just be another yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> and I think you, you hit on something right there. Um, the Quebec scene blew up so much in the past year because we had no choice because we couldn't go down and rely on Vermont beers. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Absolutely. <laughs> we had to create it ourselves. So that's that's very cool. Uh, one last shitty question, and then we're going to have fun. Um, negative reviews. How do you handle negative reviews, and uh, what is your approach with them? I'd say it's to me now it's not so bad. Like when, because when we opened up the bar six years ago, it was uh, like TripAdvisors and Google, all the stuff where they were few and far between and they meant the difference between like we're in a touristy area right so it was kind of the difference between 
like how many people are going to be coming if you had a few good reviews on TripAdvisor and meant you were going to be doing like there's going to be a lot of people coming if you if suddenly somebody gave you a bad star review because something it could knock down if you had so little give you stuff it would knock down your average so greatly that it would affect like that next week's amount of people that were going to be coming in so having lived through that that was like really uh that was a lot rougher than than negative and positive <laughs> reviews that are now like anything though you always have, everybody always puts more value on what negative reviews are you just scroll through all the top stuff and then suddenly you hit like that two star review like two star something but at this point like right now on untapped we're like at sixty three thousand yeah. reviews so it's no longer wow. so it's no longer like oh, okay something i just even on Google, Brewski's at a thousand six hundred reviews. At this point, it's hard. It's like a hard moving ship to like move what the whole thing is. They're valuable. It's always worthwhile to necessarily read uh, because it kind of puts you in line with what people are thinking about your product at this point. And it's nice. It's real. What's actually really good about reviews is. Um, Sometimes you don't have a product on your shelf anymore and you're like, how is this actually aging? And it's nice to have like a a repertoire of because like because recently I was looking at one of our peach IPAs that came out three months ago. and It was crisp when it came out. I didn't have any left. And then I was looking at it and like people have snow globes going around. They're just like all the like it, it was a hazy play hazy and homogenized liquid and now it just became mm. like a little less turbid and a little bit more chunky and you're like oh god <laughs> like okay fine give me bad reviews on that one i didn't know how that was going to last in the in the cattle for after a month and a half but yeah the, like they're it's always good and bad to to go with them but like to 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 follow them up they're fun to kind of keep track of i'd say when i started when we started up the uh, the brewery for real like uh because we had always been contracting it was a little bit more intensive because like it's a lot more personal <laughs> than it was uh-huh. bef- before we were brewing. Uh-huh. But now it's just like, yeah, well, uh, we have our audience. We have people that are, that come to listen to us and it is what it is. And I think that we, the only times that it's upsetting is that when we disagree with it. I think most often than not, when we see reviews, like, yeah, that's kind of what bothered me about that beer also. And like, that's kind of what it is. Like we're, we kind of know what it's going to be when we put it out. Hmm. Very interesting. Hey, what's up, Fox and Hopsins? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right. I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Let's switch gears. Let's drink another beer. Something wild. 
when I saw this, I was like, what is this? So, so what, 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 it came in a crowler, which I love, I love these crowlers. With my beautiful handwriting, nonetheless. Yes, yes. <laughs> so this would be a brew juice with birthday cake. Does that make sense? No, it's not exactly that. It's uh, close to it, though. Uh, so being our anniversary last week, we decided, like, we were just making kind of an experimental brew juice because I got these new two barrel tanks in to do them. And, uh... I had bought just previously some, um, like some cotton candy mix, just like the sugar, <laughs> just because I, I think I, I had seen somebody <laughs> post. I think it was it's all right. You can say it, Matt. You can say that's it's, it, it's, no, it's, no, it's, it's fine. No, like, he's the wizard. Like what Ryan says, like our, our one of the breweries just goes, we make silly beers. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, this one has just like the, has cotton candy cake, like the cake flavored cotton candy inside of it with uh, guava, raspberry and passion fruit. Wow. Very cool. Cheers. Have you ever been to, uh, cheers. Have you ever been to, uh, had Loblaw's, uh, uh, birthday cake? I have not. No. Is that, is that what this makes you think? No, this is exactly what that is. Loblaw's birthday cake. Lava's birthday cake. The um, it's the icing, (laughs) sweet tart, delicious. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It it was actually kind of strange because like the the it was surprising how much the flavors popped once we put in the birthday cake. (laughs) 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 What's actually stupid is that we had like four different kinds of cotton candy mixes but this one was the one that that hit it we we, most of the times when we go especially experimental we don't know what we're doing we're just kind of adding stuff until it tastes good and then that's it that's That's the product (laughs) that's the secret (laughs) that's kind of how we make almost everything the the trick uh, with cotton candy is to acclimate your palate to cotton candy (laughs) mixture Um, this is a very forward-thinking beer. Uh, I'm curious to hear your opinions on where the craft beer scene is headed. What is going to be that next big style? Obviously, hazies are not going anywhere. Uh, what what excites you? Uh, where do you think uh, Brewski is going to be brewing? In, you know, in two years, let's say. Oh boy, uh, Zach's a little <laughs> bit more on the scene with that stuff. Maybe he has an interesting answer. <laughs> going to put him on the spot. <laughs> I mean, I hope, I hope mixed firm, <laughs> I hope mixed fermentation beers would be, would be, uh, would be obviously, uh, ideal. Um, yeah, but who knows? I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of it, right? Is it could go anywhere at any time. It's extremely unpredictable. And I think that's okay. That's how, that's how craft beer has always been, you know, since like the days of dogfish head of always kind of pushing the boundaries and, and uh, going as far away from the Ryan Heiska boat as uh, as they possibly can, uh, as they possibly could. It's just it's just one of those things that people come to craft beer because it's exciting. You know, it's something that is um, is out of the norm. And I think uh, I think we could all use in our lives a little bit of out of the norm. Well, I mean, not like big pandemic out of the norm, but like <laughs> something something exciting, a unique experience. Yes, exactly. exactly. I, the, the one thing I find very cool about where the craft, like as stupid as it is to use cotton candy in a beer, it 
like we're trying right now like this is one of the con candy beers the other one we're doing like a uh it's uh like a 10 percent blue raspberry goza i think we don't know wow. if it's goza yet there's no salt but it's like uh the sour base that we threw blue raspberry uh like cotton candy mix inside or making a blue product and it's just you you learn on those even though it's as stupid as like how do you use cotton candy in something how do you use like these uh like oreos when we did the uh the last wish with um with misorum we had already had experience with Oreos because we had done like an Oreo beer before. It's like, okay, we kind of know how to deal with this. And every single time we use like a product after you use it two, three, four times, you kind of get like these processes down. And I love to make like to, to, to talk to Zach and like we have, well, we know what our uh, cream cheese process is. <laughs> it goes crazy because our SOPs, which is just standard operating practice, just like cream cheese SOPs, <laughs> gonna go at it. <laughs> But it's 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 kind of just interesting to go down the like because I even when I was homebrew it was always that like everything but the kitchen sink mentality you kind of just anything is fair game in your in the brewery we just figure out as long as it tastes good and like maybe it's gonna be like barrel aged mixed fermentation uh, cotton candy slush mix with Oreos and it's gonna taste delicious but it's just <laughs> like we don't really know where it where it's gonna yeah. go really. But it's it's all the stuff that's re- like that's what I find the the most interesting part of the craft beer world right now is like we're pushing slushy like slushy or uh, smoothie beers in one direction, then we're doing like the pastry stouts where we're knocking the numbers as far up as possible, and then there's going to mm-hmm. be something I think that's going to click off in terms of stouts that are going to find like a a range of decadent but that's not necessarily heavy either because like we're hitting these we're getting these numbers now that are just kind of ridiculous for for uh like if you're if you're drinking beer in like 2021 like watch out carb levels watch out the amount of uh, the weight you can gain quickly on these things because it's just like it, it's people drink differently at home than they do in restaurants when you go to restaurants you have to find your way back home so you're like drinking these maybe easier to easier to drink things but people like we see what people are, are buying when they come at our place and like they're leaving with all these big thick double ipas uh, smoothies yeah well that's it right like everyone's been predicting predicting the future of craft beer for so long now and you've heard it all right you've heard the pilsners are making a comeback you've heard that sours are the next thing uh, you've heard that it's 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 hazy IPAs, it's West Coast IPAs, it's black IPAs, it's brewed IPAs. You know, you, you hear it. And, and I think that it's almost nice to like step back and be like, all right, I'm 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 done trying to predict the future of craft beer because that's becoming that's becoming the future of craft beer. Is everyone just waiting, waiting to jump onto something else versus just owning what you're doing? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, when I just look at what we've used in terms of ingredients and the kinds of products and everything we've done in we're hitting like a maybe a year, not even a year and a half. Like I can't even imagine three like you're talking about two years down the line. It's almost it's double the brewing time and we're like being able to put all these products out and more stuff out. It's going to be kind of crazy what we're going to be able to be comfortable at doing. Uh-huh. And uh, that's what's kind of interesting. It's like maybe you don't necessarily become 
like you can't become like that German brewery that's phenomenal at just knocking out of the park that one or two standard recipes that was taught to them by by some person and then they're going to do that for the next 35 years that's not how American breweries are doing it that's not how Canadian breweries are doing it we're really like explorative and the difference that there is is that because we're that explorative we're going to be able to make some crazy stuff because once you get those reps in you can really like figure out these like these weird things because everything like something that i'm learning on a smoothie is going to actually inform how i'm going to make laggers and how i'm going to make stouts and something i learn on stouts is going to go back and inform how i'm doing the other stuff it's all these very interesting things and that's what we're going to see is like as the breweries that are kind of following trends are going to be the the kind of breweries that are going to be able to turn and pivot towards other products because they're going to be comfortable pivoting. A lot of people like look at trends and go, oh, you shouldn't be following that trend. like, okay, fine. But if you just stay down that, that, that path, then you're also not capable of pivoting. And that's, and we love, like, to me, I love learning. Like Zach, like Zach listens to podcasts all day long. It's all about like getting these, getting this knowledge and listening to these people. And we love kind of just, like trying something new. Let's see what the hell happens. It's an excellent mentality to have. Um, let's talk. It's Vox and Hops. We have to talk about metal, and I want to talk about vacant. Take me to your 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 metal years. Uh, talk to me about having a band together. Uh, talk to me about what you listen to. I, I'm very interested in the soundtracks of your youth when you were growing up. Uh, what what were your metal bands that you loved or your hardcore bands that you enjoyed? Oh man. Uh... Well, that, that, so that was back when Derek had short hair, actually, ironically I was enough. working as an engineer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I started off, I started off, I think, uh, the first, first band I listened to was Protest the Hero. I heard their, uh, I heard Blood Meat on Much Music on cable TV when that was the thing. And uh, from then on, I got I got super deep into Lamb of God, uh, and probably yeah, Randy Blythe is is what got me into wanting to become a singer, and uh, and cha- drastically changed the course of my of my next uh, ten years after that. Um, from then on, from then I, I did uh, multiple metal bands. I was in a deathcore band after my first metal band. Then I did a hardcore band, and then I went more around like the punk hardcore, uh, closer in like the vein of, of like uh, a Bane. So um, that's when I started a band with uh, the drummer uh, Loic, uh, who was a good friend of mine and still is. And uh, Derek uh, quickly joined us afterwards, along with a bassist uh, Joel, and we just played an insane amount of shows and uh, had some great great uh great experiences to sometimes five five people or just or just derek's girlfriend uh <laughs> then girlfriend now wife that happens uh yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and 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 that was it it was uh, it was a really really good ride very true how about you derek uh, how did you get into playing guitar um my uncle was like kind of a really big into guitar he gave me a guitar when when i was like six and so I went through classical music for a bit and then kind of completely lost touch because I was bored of learning classical music and went to another, like just went to other styles of music. And then one of my friends in high school 
just started playing me Metallica and I couldn't understand for the first time. And it's like, just try it out. Keep listening to it. And I listened to it a few times and then just couldn't turn it off. And that, so then <laughs> I, I picked the guitar back up because like, okay, I listened to stuff that now has guitar. I have one right there and like just spent my whole time relearning how to play just like for the first maybe two years i could i, I was just going hardcore into playing everything that was metallica and then got into just like more and more harder stuff uh lamb of god was huge for me that was like the other i was maybe the two things i was really into playing more than anything was metallica and uh metallica and lamb of god i had covatis was a, i was a huge fan of covatis Oh, yeah. uh, just because of how technically impossible it was to play their stuff like <laughs> yeah i because for most of my guitar playing times i was just sitting like studying or then sitting and learn and just trying to get muscle memory down and trying to learn the most complex riffs possible like that's what i was interested in in guitar like i had a hard time when i had to start playing with zach because he was trying to get me to feel something <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's not how I play. I don't play blue. I don't play like I just I learn how to play. We said that the the most difficult part of teaching Derek these songs were to try and get him to stop palm muting. <laughs> Let it ring out, man. Hit hit the wrong notes. Do it. It's palm- <laughs> just trying to learn how to play that style because I was just much more into math metal or like. I'm trying to remember. It's it's been like right now. When I when I go to metal, I listen to Lamb of God. I listen to Gojira. I listen to some Covatis. I like those. Those are mostly what I'm hitting now. Uh, I try to remember like the other stuff that I, like that I was listening to back then. But more like once I uh, death, I was super big into death. Like uh, the band Killer death. guitarist. But just oh, yeah. just just the singing, everything like the. Uh, Sound of Perseverance, all that stuff was somewhat like I could just listen to that continuously. Like Crystal Mountain, yeah, my god, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of like the path down there. And then played, like, got into Zach when he got me when I, I started playing with him. The band was metal, and then he slowly converted it <laughs> more and more into hardcore. Uh, <laughs> I kept trying to bring it back. He's yeah. like, no, this yeah. is like. This is what I'm doing now. (laughs) What would have been uh, your your best show memory when there was people there? What would have been the best vacant show ever? And where was it? And what was the the details of that show? I would say it was like the one we only really left Quebec once. And we went to uh, we went to Ottawa. And I don't know, just yeah, I, I don't know. Like it was just that small venue nice little thing kind of different like one of the rare occasions that it wasn't kind of just like in montreal finish work come run go do this do that you're like kind of just getting that show done invite your friends invite your friends do it hey you want to come to a show man (laughs) if you give them enough money maybe they'll give you a pitcher of beer you know it's just not What was the end of the band? What happened? Why is there no more vacant? Why do you guys not play music anymore? Ooh, uh, it was probably probably around the same time that you opened the bar, right, Derek? Uh, yeah, because like... Wh- that, was, that, was, that was when Derek what kinda ha- It's your fault. It's your fault, Derek. Yeah, what kind of happened was I was, I was working <laughs> full-time as a consultant engineer, and then I got a... Uh, then I opened a bar, and then I was in a band. 
Uh, it was a bit much. Like they would, I would be sleeping yeah. on the couch. They'd wake me up. I'd go play mediocre guitar and <laughs> go back to sleep. <laughs> he was the only guy whipping out like engineer uh, schemes. I'm way out of my my comfort zone. I don't know if it's called a scheme, but I'm going to call it a scheme. He was whipping out his little schemes in like a, a dingy metal bar uh, that smelled like piss. And he's there typing away building some brewery when we're like about to go on in 15 minutes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. But we, we kept going for like a, 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 a I think a, a year after that, I, I kept going with Vacant. Uh, and we, we played, uh, we played a, a bunch more shows and we did it. We did a couple more, uh, couple more out of town gigs and some stuff like that. We played with a, a band called Capsize from California we we did some some cool shows but yeah you know it's uh real life gets in the way man it's hard it's hard but you you have your passion of brewing which is also an artistic uh, output so you you're, you're still fulfilling your artistic side there uh let's wrap this up with a classic vox and hops wrap up question i mentioned what my hangover cure is but i am curious to know what you guys do what what is your hangover cure I'd say a lot of coffee. <laughs> it's pretty much the, the everything, and it, depending on if it's a if it's a work day or a, a weekend, then there might be just a carbonated beverage in there. Just try to bring you back up. Something low ABV, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about you, Zach? Uh it's uh, Buffalo Bill's uh, ten-piece meal. Replace the fries for waffle fries uh, with an order of blue cheese dip, uh, medium uh, uh, hot sauce, uh, with a can of Bush on the side. Is this breakfast? Well, I mean, <laughs> you gotta you gotta get back into the. You day, order right? it the night before, and you just microwave it. What's bedside <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> <That> table? <laughs> I may have some experience with that. Uh, (laughs) Zach, Derek, thank you so, so much for taking the time. Have a chat with me, talking about your lives, talking about your amazing craft beer, and talking about your life in metal. Uh, Super stoked that I had the chance. Uh, I've been a fan since the beginning. I'm going to be a fan forever. This was an honor, and I'm very, very stoked. Cheers, and uh, long life to Pub Brewski. Thanks, man. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Uh, right after we wrapped up this chat is when I pitched them the idea of doing Brutal Juice, and uh, I was super stoked when they said yes. Uh, Brutal Juice is delicious, and uh, as I mentioned in the intro, if you have not picked it up and you want to pick it up and you're in the Montreal area, you should do that soon because it will sell out. It will be gone. This is the first Imperial Fruited Sour with coffee in it. And it's even better than that because it's got the Zab coffee in it. And I love, love Zab coffee. Massive thanks to Derek and Zach and Guillaume too, of course, from Brewski. I'm a huge fan and just super stoked that A, I got a chance to have a chat with you and B, that we put out a beer together. That means a lot to me and I'm very stoked about that. If you'd like to see how the whole beer came to be, I just dropped a mini doc about the whole creation of the beer, the whole brewing process. It was created 
by my brand new Vox and Hops crew family. I'm very stoked to announce that Chris Kells, the bassist of The Agonist, and Mihela Petrescu have joined the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast crew. I am so excited about this, and this mini-doc is truly amazing, so you should absolutely go check it out. You can see behind-the-scenes footage of how the beer got created, the brewing process, the canning, and it is just super sick, and I am so, so excited about having these new crew members as a part of the podcast. Do it. Check it out. I put the link to the mini-doc in the description of this podcast, and it's all over the Vox and Hops social media accounts. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should absolutely follow it on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, you should also rate it and write a review because when you do that, more people just like yourself will be able to discover the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. You should also sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Do it. Sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list because I don't want you to miss a single thing. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I hope you have a glorious, glorious weekend. I will be back next week with two episodes, but until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.